Welcome to the Mariner's Church Life Group Leader Podcast. This weekly conversation is designed to equip and resource you to build a healthy life group community that studies God's Word, practices spiritual rhythms, and changes the world together. Welcome back to the Life Group Leader Podcast. This is week five of Fighting for Joy, our study through the book of Philippians. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at the sermon, Becoming Who God Called You to Be, looking at chapter two, verses uh, 12 through 30. It's uh, week five of our 10-week series here. So we're rounding the corner here of the halfway point. Just been a great series looking at this uh, very impactful book of Philippians. Uh, I got my buddy here again joining uh, from last week. This is Dallas Viva. Hello, everybody. Dallas, how we doing, dude? I'm great. I mm-hmm. love I love the series. It's it's like going through all these different areas of our church. I see it getting popped up. The yeah. the theme of joy is just spreading every. It's marinating into yeah. our DNA of who we are, and it's it. it's beautiful. Which is one of the reasons, like we encourage group leaders to to do the sermon based discussion questions, right? Like. Um, you might be a leader and you're listening to this just because you're curious or maybe you're a new leader and you want to see what's there. And before you think, oh, I want to tune out because we're talking about the sermon-based discussion questions, uh, what would you say, Dallas, to a leader who's listening, who's maybe not currently doing them or maybe is disengaged from them? Why, why is this important for our life group leaders to, to study these together? There's so much unity in, in our church with yeah. this. Uh, so we talked last week about man camp. I mean, if you went to man camp, we talked about fighting for joy. That's right. Like we talked about the book of um, Philippians. When you go to all these other events, like it's it's being talked about because that's where our church that's where our church is going. That's where cool. God has led our senior pastor. Um, it's so much is flowing out of that, and there's something that happens when we're all aligned. Yeah, and we're all learning together. It's it's beautiful to be on the front line. That's right. Yeah, it keeps you engaged with the overall vision of what what's happening in and out the church. I think also it takes a little bit of relief off of you as a leader to think about, man, what are we going to study? What am I, what are we going to do? Or where am I going to find? What Bible study do I have to create? Yeah. What yeah. sermon do I have to preach? We have one. Every week. We have a Bible study every week. Yeah. It's, it's here in your sermon base. And we study the Bible every week in our weekend message. Right. And, and you know that you're going to be in God's word. You're going to be interacting directly with, with the scripture. Um, and there's so, so many different reasons for that. So if you're new, not sure, Man, we will want to encourage you to jump in. This is a great resource for you uh, weekly. All right, let's just stop, uh, start off here with our lean-in question. I'm going to kind of summarize, because there's two different questions here, uh, maybe a bit my own words. And leaders, by the way, you should do that. You should feel oh. free. To, these questions are a a guide for you, right? They're not a strict turn-by-turn map. They're conversational. Totally. They're not to be read. They're in conversation. I've been in groups where you know, a leader maybe feel like I got to literally lead read the question line for line and, and, and in the right order that you, you should have some fluidity with how you lead your group. But what does that mean? What does a leader have to do to get to that point? Well, they need to spend some time with the question. Yeah. Like I get it. Life is full and busy and you might be rocking up right now, listening to this before you go to your group. <laughs> um, but you, you should, I mean, it doesn't take much time, 10, mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Yeah. Look at the questions, say them out loud. Think about the people that are in your group. Think about how you might, maneuver them and, and put some of these questions together, which is what we're doing kind of now live on the spot for a year. But mm-hmm. the lean in question, I, I would probably reward it of reward it from, um, Hey, where are areas in your life where you, f- you see like the, um, rewards of your effort. And then what are areas in life where you maybe haven't, haven't seen that yet? Mm-hmm. Anything come out for you? Yeah. 
when I <laughs> when I get on the Peloton. Okay, you got Peloton. Am, All right, buddy. And I am considered. <laughs> I'm one of those. Yeah. There's CrossFitters and then there's Peloton users. Yeah. Um, do you got the hat and everything else? Got, I got. Wear the helmet indoor Peloton. Please it, tell me you do. Yes. Great. Just yeah. Defer. Yeah. I have a life vest on too because I'm yeah. sweating so much. <laughs> uh, but when I when I am committed to riding and eating well, yeah, I see the fruit of my labor. Mm-hmm. And when I do not do that, I also see the fruit of no labor. Yeah, that's right. All day. Yeah. We're doing a fitness challenge right now at work, right? And people yeah. are logging all of their walking habits and everything else. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, I'm with you too, though, man. I, you know, I try to do something about four or five times a week. Yeah. Um, but if I don't supplement it with good rest and diet, it doesn't really go for it. nothing. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah. So why are we asking this question? What are we wanting people to begin to think about here? Get them thinking about the passage in general. Yeah. Uh, where we're going as we work out our salvation mm-hmm. um, and just getting people engaged in the conversation. There could be someone in your group coming from a meeting at work that didn't go well right? or a phone call on the way over that they got some bad news. And how do you get them engaged in the conversation mm-hmm. instead of just getting them, okay, what's wrong with you? Uh, maybe you have that relationship. That's not how I would approach it, but mm-hmm. maybe a question like this really allows them to open up a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah, get them thinking about, and then this whole like return on interest, right? The ROI of we are an effort-driven culture and society. Goal setting mm-hmm. and goal setting is great. We sh- we should run we should run after these things for sure. But often we calculate, you know, how much effort I'm going to put into it versus how much gain my effort is going to yield, right? So this is. This is what we're, we're getting to think and how that can come into our understanding of our own spiritual formation, mm-hmm. how much we put into it, what we think we're really, we're doing that calculation all the time in lots yeah. of different areas of life and certainly in our, our growth and development. All right. Shall we read the passage as we go to look down? Why don't we do yeah, that? The 12, verse 12 and 13? Yeah. Why don't you read all the way 12 through 16? 12 through 16. Yeah. Okay. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now- not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Down to verse 14. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. So that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. By holding firm to the word of life, then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. It's beautiful. I love this passage, man. There's so much of it that seems um, a bit aspirational. Yeah, where he right? says, uh, even in verse 12, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed. No, who are we talking about? Yeah. It's not written to me. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, I know I know that's not me, but that's who, who Paul is. He's such an encourager painting this picture of um, not, you know, all that you bring to the table, but what Christ has done, that we're even able to obey because of the grace that we receive. Mm-hmm. I, I love what he's saying there. And then do everything without grumbling and arguing. <laughs> you know, I, that's a, like a bit of a whiplash. Hey, man, you've always obeyed. And by the way, do everything without grumbling and arguing, which yeah. he's probably saying that because there was some grumbling and arguing <laughs> that yeah. might have been taking place, right? So it's something that has yeah. been around. Grumbling and arguing has always been around yeah. and it always will be around. Right. We're always going to be a 
people that grumble and argue and complain totally about our current situation. And it brings such damage to our soul, right? right? And we'll stop like gratitude in our life and gratitude yeah. is like a catalytic force for everything else that's ha happening around us. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. Um, a couple of look down questions here. What does it mean? This is a great passage. What does it mean to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Those are some interesting words there that he mm -hmm. puts. Um, work out your salvation. What would you say to somebody who's like, well, what do you mean? Work? I thought it was grace, not works. Like, how, how, is Paul contradicting himself here? What, no. What's going on here? Uh, I think I've, I've said it. I've always heard it said, um, like, we don't, our works don't save us, mm -hmm. but our works are able to tell it. It's, it shows that we are saved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I'm saved, I am going to pour out. I am going to be selfless, right. like we learned last week. Yeah. I'm going to pour out. I'm going to love my neighbors, but I'm not doing it because I want the accolades. Right. Again, I think that's where I, I can even get caught up in that too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, then Eric walks us through, you spend some time, go back and listen to how he, how he really dissected this part of the, of the sermon where he, that, that work out to, we hear work and immediately it's like a trigger word for, ah, oh, moralistic religiosity. What, what is, what is he talking about? Yeah. But the, the phrasing of it is, is important. It's um, work out, not work for. It's not earn. It's work. It's an outworking, like you said. It's a, yeah. it's a sign. It's it's worship, really what it is. It's um, showcasing with gratitude through how you live your life, what you've already received. It's not mm -hmm. working for, it's working out. And then he says, um, work out your own salvation. Yeah. I love that. It's not the salvation of somebody else. Yeah. It's not judgmental comparison. And sometimes you can be in a situation and you're reading and you're like, I have no idea what that means. Mm -hmm. uh, I have this app, Logos. It's it's free. Can I get your login? <laughs> I have the free version. Oh, okay. um, and I, I just have a study Bible on my phone because there's sometimes where I'm reading something and I'm like, huh, I wonder what that, wonder what that means. And as I, I pulled this up and it emphasizes that obedience is intentional and purposeful. Mm-hmm. Paul's point is that salvation, once received, must be put into practice through obedience. Right. That's good. And reverence and awe before God. And literally, that just helps me having another resource that's quick and easy on my phone yeah, yeah. that I can go research the passage. Like, okay, help me. Like, let's take it another step further right. to understand. That's amazing. So we'll embed Dallas's Logos login credentials <laughs> to this episode so you can also go and, and get it. The free version. Go for it. Yeah. The free version is great. Awesome. Um it's great. So work out, work out, not work for uh -huh. your own salvation, yep. not comparison and judgmental, you know, other people's salvation. And then he says, um, with fear and trembling, with fear and trembling. What, what do you think Paul's trying to get us to, to note, note there? Yeah. Fear, fear of God mm -hmm. is, is actually like a, a respect for God and, mm -hmm. um, a reverence mm -hmm. more of a reverence for God of, of who he is. So right. I, I think sometimes at first glance, when I see that word fear, it's like, oh, I should run and hide and be afraid. But really in honoring God and having reverence toward him and, and trembling because he is a holy God. What the C.S. Lewis quote um, with the lion, like, of course, of course, Aslan is not safe. He's a lion. I, I think it's just, I always think of that. It, it's just beautiful. But he's good. He's, good. he's safe and he's not safe, but he's, but he's good. He's yeah, good. That's right. Yeah. Fear and trembling, reverence for sure. This. Um, understanding that what we've been brought into is the most important thing. It's the most important goal. 
we've all got lots of different goals in our lives and we all run after these things, but he's the goal. He's the prize. He's mm-hmm. the ultimate one. And there should be this sense of um, awe and trembling and fear and reverence when it comes to encountering who he is and what he's done. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, another look down question here says, what, do, what does Paul reveal is the key to our character development and shining brightly for Christ in the world? What's the key to our character development and shining brightly for Christ in the world? It's here in the passage. 16? Is it 16? By holding firm to the word of life. Yeah. What does that mean? Word of life. Yeah. Is that God's word? Yeah. Like holding firm to the teachings yeah. of scripture. That's right. His spoken, his spoken word, his logos word, his declaration over creation, Jesus, the word and flesh, everything that Jesus is holding on to that the word of life, holding on to the central source, the thing that gives us life and substance and everything else. Yeah. That's the only way that we can have our character really developed. Um, that's the way that we learn how perseverance, we learn what perseverance looks like, not because of our own experience of what culture teaches us, but because of what the Bible, the Bible teaches us. Great. Every time I see that, I'm always like drawn back to Eric's teaching on the book of Jude. Yeah. And throw back. Here we go. He had that, um, that he had told the story of his daughters in the pool mm-hmm. and it wasn't them holding on, even though their his daughter thought, oh, I'm holding on to dad. Right. In reality, it was him holding on. And it's it's no matter how hard we try to hold on to God, it's him holding it's on to us. I tell my little ones that when I throw them out of the pool from my from my shoulders, it wasn't me throwing you out of the pool. It was you throwing yourself. Yeah. That, right. that doesn't work the same way, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. Um, lookout question. What do we got here, Dallas? Which one of these you want to highlight? Oh, how would you respond to a friend who said, I'm not good enough to be an example of Christianity? Ooh, yeah. And how would you, how would you encourage that person? I'm not good enough. Right. Or where does that, where does that, um, response even come from? Yeah. What does that say about their understanding about Christianity? Mm-hmm. How would you interact with somebody? Yeah. It's like, let's, let's get down to the lie, the lie that they're believing. Like, Yes, in reality, we are not good enough on our own, but it's what Jesus has done through us. So how can you, like for me, this is a, I can't wait to speak life and encouragement into you to tell you that you can be an example, that you can go out and live your life. And maybe there's a few things you need to rework, but let me just encourage you of who Jesus is and what he has called you to be, that when the father looks down on you, he doesn't see you for your sin, but he sees his son, Jesus upon you. Yeah. And then the, you know, the question would be, well, how good is good enough? What, what do you think it is? What is, what is that line? Uh, there is no line. The cross is the line. It abolished that line. The cross came and totally bridged, bridged that gap for sure. There is no such thing as good enough. Yeah. It's like a legalism ledge then of like, oh, this is good enough, but this, this is, this isn't. Right. And so another lookout then, okay, that's our understanding of grace and, and Christianity and our relationship, our formation, then what ways should Christians then be different from the world? Um, what should it be our motive in seeking to be shining examples of Christian living? What, what, what should be different about us then? If our motive is not like our effort and the accolades, how should we be different, be viewed as different? And I've taught this with, uh, with 2030s. Like, how can we be a people that's different that you know, when, when there's a line, we're not the ones like honking, like, Hey, hurry up. That we're the patient ones. Uh, when we see someone struggling, we're, we're helping that, um, we don't walk 
in with a limp. Like we're not trying to hide our limp that if we are walking with a limp that we're the first ones to run over and, and help our friends that we want to be ones that cut a roof, cut a hole in the roof and drop our friends down. Um, so that what it looks like is to be different that someone says, you're, you guys were the best group I've had all day at brunch. Yeah. Like you were so kind and courteous. Like that being different is every area of your life. It's good. Being different. That's great. That's good, man. And then, um, in the look in the final question here, um, what are some reasons believers might fail to grow spiritually? And it puts in here in our modern context, what are those things that prevent a spiritual growth? Um, that sounds a little bit more like a lookout question. Like you, you could personalize it, like, like for you, what yeah. are the things, um, that you know are obstacles for your, for your own spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And I would call back into the passage too, right? Well, um, where am I working for versus working out? Where am I not working out my own salvation, but I'm comparing it to other people. Mm-hmm. Like when I look at people that seemingly got, that got their stuff all together, like, yeah, you know, I'm, I feel immobilized because I, I don't measure up or it's a lack of fear and trembling. Maybe I take it for granted. Um, there's a lack of reverence and appreciation there. Um, those are, those are a few things I think would come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else come to mind there for you or how you might leave that, that question out? Yeah. I think it's that comparison trap. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you can listen to someone like Eric, our senior pastor, like walk through how much he reads and how much he does. And you're like, oh, mm. I, he he does all of that. And I, I don't do that. So I'm just going to give up. Right. Like, I'm, I'm just not going to do that. And, you know, I had a conversation with someone who just recently said, I believe. And like, hey, how do you, like, what do you do? And I kind of walk through what I do. He's like, oh, I could never do that. Like, I, I guess I'm not, this isn't for me. Yeah. So it's the comparison trap actually hurts us when the reality is, okay, you could read a couple passages of scripture and still get the same, like God can still speak to you the same way if you read for three hours, you know, like whatever is working for you, but you have to be able to put in the work. You got to be able to sit down and pray. You got to be able to read your Bible. You, I, I don't know. I don't know how many people, I don't know. I haven't heard anybody who's growing spiritually without being in some sort of community. Right. So that's right. The people in your group, you holding them together as a leader is actually helping all of them grow spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that beautifully through all of Philippians, through Paul highlighting his relationship with Timothy to Ephroditus that came from Philippi to check in on Paul, that he sends back with genuine love and care. You see his sincere love and appreciation for the church in Philippi, that there is this real sense of continuity and gospel-centered community that's happening there that is becoming an ecosystem where, where growth can become possible. Mm. We don't make the growth. We don't cause the growth. God, God causes the growth, Yeah, but we can cultivate the environment where growth becomes possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how do we cultivate the environment for growth to become possible? Holding on to the words of life, moving from selflessness to self others, serving other people, humility, humility, all I need to grow. There is growth that can still happen in me. Totally. You know, we have this temptation to think that it is just all grace and why some standpoint that is true. It's it's the grace that we received, um, but was that old quote of Dallas Dallas Willard? Um, grace is an um, uh, opposed to to earning. It's opposed to opposed to the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we can have this 
temptation where we're saved by grace, but we also can feel paralyzed by it. Well, I'm saved by grace, so I don't have to move. I don't have to do it. I don't have to go. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. Totally. Well, grace becomes the the fuel that propels you into Christian community, holding God to God's word, practicing these spiritual rhythms that over time you don't do to growth, but creates the environment for growth to, to be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the that's not the tension. That's the reality of Christian of Christian formation. We receive it, we make the environment, and the Holy Spirit causes the growth. All yeah. of them. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for joining us. We'll look forward to tapping in here next week as we continue our series with you all together. together.